This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Holly Geyer, who is the internal medicine specialist and addiction specialist at Mayo Clinic in Arizona. Dr. Geyer, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. So glad to be with you. Now, I am excited for our conversation because, Dr. Geyer, you are the author of Ending the Crisis, Mayo Clinic's Guide to Opioid Addiction and Safe Opioid Use. And, you know, it's such a fascinating topic right now, so relevant for a lot of different healthcare specialists that I think this will be a really important and insightful episode to learn more about what you're doing in in the work that um, you've been doing at Mayo as well. Thanks, Laura. I can't think of a more impactful area that we could go after in current medical care to really make a difference. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, before we dive into the broader discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background and um, what really inspired this book? Absolutely. Um, I kind of grew up within the uh, substance use treatment industry. My parents had started a drug rehab program when I was a little girl, and I grew up helping with um, all sorts of aspects of the, the, the treatment industry. But as I entered the world of medicine, I realized what a great chasm there was between what we're doing within the medical field and how other fields, such as the substance abuse treatment field and mental health fields, um, are, are really being relegated in terms of populations that we're seeing. Um, The more I recognized that physicians in general were seeing patients um, who might have substance use disorder, but doing little more than offering them either a secondary referral or even recommendations that they seek treatment themselves and kind of chirping it in new directions, the more I recognized we need a mindset change in the healthcare industry. The reality is that the opioid epidemic has very much proven that we're at the center of um, substance use disorder diagnoses. We see these people on a recurrent basis oftentimes, and especially with opioids, oftentimes we were the nightest to get them into the problem of opioid use disorder with our overprescribing. Um, We recognize there's neurobiological roots that are best treated with the medications that we prescribe, and we're at the center of their health care. So no better time to really pivot and take a proactive strategy to putting our healthcare industry right in the middle of substance use disorder and mental health treatments to work conjunctively with them um, as opposed to taking a backseat effort. Absolutely. I, I love that. I think that's so, such an important message for healthcare providers today in what is really an evolving field and understanding of how to connect with and work with um, patients who are struggling with addiction. Now, what are your top priorities at Mayo as well as you know, the, the top priorities when you think about nationally, the opioid crisis and uh, substance abuse? Oh, we've got a lot to cover, Laura. Um, You know, I can tell you one of the first things that I think we need to recognize is the value of establishing an opioid stewardship program. We need to get this right from the start. And opioid stewardship is a concept of using the right drug in the right patient at the right dose for the right length of treatment and doing the right screenings in that process, either for appropriateness of opioid therapy or identification of opioid use disorder. There was a study done a couple of years ago that showed only 23% of US healthcare systems even have an opioid stewardship program. This needs to be the top, top priority of every institution. 
Um, it's costing the healthcare system $35 billion annually to have opioid-related complications coming in and out of our doors. And we know that some of these patients have upwards of 12 times as many ER visits, inpatient and outpatient visits for opioid use disorder than average populations. So we're going to feel this effect um, quite generously if, if we don't take a proactive stance. The other thing I would say is we need to be identifying and um, referring appropriately for opioid use disorder. And that can be very challenging for many healthcare institutions that are used to um, taking a less proactive approach to it. But the reality is that these patients are coming in on a regular basis. Um, the American Medical Association had estimated that between 3 to 19% of all patients that encounter an opioid will develop long-term dependency. So these are in our institutions today. We need to be looking for these patients. And then the final thing is, I think it's important that we have referral um, and robust referral options for patients that struggle with a disorder. We need to be partnering with our community, including both um, outpatient treatment programs, inpatient treatment programs, as well as um, addiction psychologists, psychiatrists within our, our local areas to make sure that we're offering comprehensive treatment to these populations. Absolutely. I love that. And really, too, you know, when you're looking at um, some of the treatment options available and um, how you're, you're able to provide support for communities, you know, what do you see as being really important for other healthcare providers um, in, in people who are seeing these patients come in on a daily basis to think about and remember, um, especially, you know, over the next few years or so, how do you see um, the, what you're doing at Mayo evolving as well as the, the crisis in general? Great question. You know, change management can be challenging for everyone. And I can tell you that one of the first things that needs to be changed across our nation is our understanding of when opioids are appropriate. Again, an opioid stewardship program will help with this. But we've recognized that all too often throughout the overprescribing epidemic, which peaked in 2012, we were really targeting patient satisfaction and elimination of pain as our a priori goals, when in fact what we should have been targeting with the use of opioids is functionality, meaning allowing people to do activities of daily living. This is do their physical therapy, do the dishes, right? Um, perform activities of daily living. Um, this is a mindset change that I don't think all medical institutions have made on behalf of their patients or with their patients, and it's important to start sending messaging um, that reflects that. Um, there is virtually no role for opioid monotherapy in 2023. We always want to be pairing opioids with other either non-pharmacologic treatment approaches, so daily walking or therapy sessions, even mind-body therapy or topical agents. Or if we are using an opioid, make sure it's part of a pain treatment plan that includes other non-opioid pharmacologics, things like scheduled Tylenol or as-needed ibuprofen um, on top of that. And then finally, using opioids for breakthrough pain. Um, we continue to work on this within our institution. Our opioid stewardship program does help facilitate that. The other thing is making sure that individuals with opioid use disorder are getting the treatment approaches necessary. And um, as you can imagine, that's a hot topic within our nation today, as um, now all providers can offer buprenorphine with a DEA number. That's definitely a great reminder. And certainly, you know, for those who might be a little bit apprehensive about jumping in um, in, in this way, how can they think about it um, really truly as uh, being able to treat these patients um, like, you know, other disorders that they're treating or other, you know, areas and, and patients that they're seeing, what really is helpful to get over some of these mental blocks that, um, you know, a, a clinician or their colleagues might have in, in treating patients with addiction needs. Yeah, you know, we've, 
We've called addiction um, by so many names, it, it can be challenging for physicians to really start to recognize it as a true biologically driven disorder. You know, for years it was recognized as a behavioral disorder, and then some have called it a mental health disorder. But the opioid epidemic has led to this huge outflow in research that's really shown on functional MRI scans and other imaging techniques, the biological drivers within that dopamine system. When clinicians encounter someone with opioid use disorder, I think they can look at this disorder like any other type of condition their panel of patients will have that day. Something that's going to have biological roots, but it's going to manifest in many domains. I love what the American Society of Addiction Medicine, um, ASAM, has uh, done to define addiction. They state that addiction is a primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and related circuitry. And that dysfunction in these circuits leads to characteristic biological, psychological, social, and spiritual manifestations. And this is reflected in an individual pathologically pursuing reward and or relief by substance use and other behaviors. I can tell you, uh, Laura, for the years that I've worked in um, this field, I, I've recognized that depending on what industry you come to addiction um, from, you look at it from a different perspective. Within the criminal justice system, we see judges and attorneys and um, jail staff seeing addiction as a criminal problem, right? And people should be locked up for it. That's how we'll, we'll heal it. Um, within the mental health fields, they often see addiction as a primary mental health condition. And if we do enough counseling or psychological um, treatments, we'll go at the main drivers of addiction, you know, PTSD or depression or anxiety. I've seen within the spiritual industry, um, you know, this is oftentimes addiction uh, is a moral failing uh, perspective and people dealing with sin or um, uh, sin related issues in their life um, will be able to help treat the addiction. Um, but the reality is that we see these changes in the brain, the neuroplasticity, the redefinement of the parts of the brain that deal with frontal lobe executive center control and shutting that down all the neurotransmitters that are aberrant and burning out those dopamine receptors so they really can't feel pleasure without the drug in their body. Uh, these are issues that we can translate into other parts of our industry. A great example is diabetes. When we see a diabetic um, patient come into our office, we recognize that maybe overeating was a driver and um, maybe their life is falling apart because they're dramatically overweight and now they're depressed. And there's so many manifestations of that diabetes we treat the diabetes, but we do more than that, right? We refer out. We help other subspecialists get engaged if other organ systems are impacted. We get them the mental health coping or counseling they need in the event that they're now very depressed because of it. And we help with overeating activities by helping them see a nutritionist. We offer that comprehensive package. That's what we should be doing in addiction. I love that. Thank you so much. It's such a mic drop moment, Dr. Geyer. I appreciate you talking through all of that and, and definitely um, making, you know, talking with a lot of clarity about how you can treat patients with mental health and, and um, you know, addiction needs. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, just one more question. Could you talk through one change that you or your team has made in the last year that's yielded great results and something really that, you know, could be inspiring to other healthcare leaders that are listening to this podcast? Absolutely. You know, I think probably the best one is that we were able to stand up our opioid stewardship program and engage in the robust referral policies, the patient screening practices, the limitation of opioids for non-appropriate um, situations, while still maintaining patient satisfaction. 
this can be done. And it took a lot of educational effort on our part. I think our pediatric program ended up producing something like 30 to 40 patient education handouts and videos, because if they're not on board with you on the topic of opioids, um, there's gonna be quite a bit of confrontation. And we felt that early on. So making sure that you've developed an opiate stewardship program that educates not just your providers, your pharmacists and um, your nursing staff, but also your patients is gonna be key. Um, we were able to do it here at Mayo Clinic, and I think other institutions can do it as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Geyer, for joining us on the podcast today. This has been really a fascinating conversation, so helpful. And again, um, the book that you wrote, Ending the Crisis, Mayo Clinic's Guide to Opioid Addiction and Safe Opioid Use, is that something you can find, uh, I guess, where can you find it at? Yeah, it's a patient-centered book. It's widely available anywhere you're buying your other books. Um, it is the first and only book on the market written for patients and their families on the topic of opioids, which is hard to believe considering we're 30 years into the crisis. But it represents a collective effort on behalf of all of our opioid stewardship program staff um, with a pretty detailed uh, listing of when opioids are and aren't appropriate, how to manage pain, um, and then what to do in the setting of opioid use disorder, as well as some nice outlines for family members to help them navigate the process, including the insurance industry. It should be a, a bit of a go-to guide for people, um, really to help them understand this whole process and all the information that we as providers are so privileged to. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Geyer. I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Wonderful. Thank you, Laura. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.